Today, every day, small cap investors visit Agoracom knowing this is the day to discover the world's next great company to have their dreams come true. That's why I take to the open road to find them, to tell their stories, to engage them, to bring them to life because they want to connect with you from your office, your phone, your home, anywhere. Agoracom, find your dream. Welcome to Beyond the Press Release, a production of Gorecom, in which we speak to small cap executives when they put up big press releases. And we have one today, Paul Gill, CEO of Lamico Metals, trades on the TSX Venture Exchange on the stock symbol LMR in the U.S. for our friends on the OTCQB, LMRMF, and for our friends in Europe on Frankfurt under DHHC. And we've got big news out of the company. I'm going to read the headlines, so pardon me. Lamico Metals and Quebec Precious Metals report multiple. 100-meter intercepts and in multiple 10% CG zones at La Luta Flake, uh, at the Flake Graphite Project. Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks, George. It's a great day. Yeah, it sounds like a great day. That was a, that was a massive press release. We want to dig down deep into that to find out, you know, what it really means for the company. But uh, before we even get into that, given, you know, the interviews we've had to date and what you've been telling the market to date, how happy are you in general about what you've delivered with this with this latest result? Yeah, as I said, uh, George, I think we're 75% of the way there. So I guess you could count me as 75% happy at this point in time. So uh, I want to get to a full PEA, which describes the full value of the project. And, and that'll be a fantastic day. And it's coming soon. All right. The La Luta Flake Graphite property. It's 120 kilometers away from Montreal. It's about 50 kilometers away from the only graphite uh, producing project in North America. You already had about 10 million tons of 6% just in the graphene battery zone. Now you put out these uh, massive, you know, now you put up this massive results from the refractory zone. What have you discovered about the refractory zone? What's got you excited about these results? Yeah, this is exactly what we were looking for from the refractory zone. What we know is that the Imaris carbon graphite mine you mentioned just now operates at 5 million tons of uh, described uh, tonnage at 7.74%. So the graphene battery zone just didn't make the cut. It was uh, 6% and uh, 10 million tons, good size. Uh, not quite there with grades. We need to be competitive with our with our neighbors around us and in Quebec. It's a competitive world out there. So we started drilling at the refractory zone with the idea of, of adding tonnage and adding grade. And so what we see now is uh, a number of 100% uh, or sorry, 10% uh, plus uh, flake graphite intercepts and over um, several of them are 100 meters or more. And so we're, we're really happy with that. We're going to add tonnage, we're going to add grade, and we're going to come out with a really good number for, uh, for the buyers out there that uh, are looking for these projects. Um, with what degree of confidence can you say that the refractory zone is continuous? At, a, at approximately 900 meters, how much more strike length is actually possible? Yeah, I'm not sure if we'll, there's more strike length. There may be a couple hundred meters on either side of it, uh, primarily towards the southwest. 
but we're going to add next if we get to proven and probable on this particular uh, resource is we're going to add uh, a little bit more definition. Um, we're going to add uh, a number of different um, drill holes to the east, uh, northeast and north and southwest, so we can uh, find out what the real thickness of that um, of that uh, system is. And we should be we should be doing that uh, uh, after a PEA is done and really getting. Uh, good numbers for a proven and probable reserve. That's where our target is. And to give people some sort of uh, idea here, uh, you're, you're expecting the updated 43-101 sometime before the end of the summer, and you're anticipating PEA about Q, some, sometime in Q1 2020, about six months down the road? Yeah, that's our targets right now. It all depends on financing. We're working hard to get uh, the project financed now for the PEA. Um, it's a two-step process. One, we're going to do the resource, which gives further definition and confidence to any investors that there is a significant value that's uh, in operation here. And, uh, and we've had uh, great meetings in Quebec. We met with Investment Quebec. We met with Sidex and um, a number of different institutions there. And uh, they're all in on supporting uh, projects like this uh, that are going to add to uh, the uh, sort of the green economy and uh, Quebec has already mentioned that they're they're fully supporting that kind of field and we're right in the middle of it so it's good timing all around and I think uh, by January when we produce or January February when we produce that pre-economic assessment um, we'll have a lot of people willing to uh, take a look at us and more than just kicking tires uh, maybe they'll those write some checks. Yeah, and for people who aren't familiar with what Paul was just referencing, the Premier of Quebec came out, I don't know, what was Paul, about 60 days ago, and said he wants to be fully green all public transportation by 2030, all electrically powered, and high-grade high graphite, high-period graphite is obviously going to play a big role in that, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, we Quebec is great for lithium and graphite uh, projects. We have the raw materials there. We need uh, investment to produce uh, higher grade materials and actually a finished product. If we could get uh, a funding to get a lithium ion battery factory there, that'd be fantastic. I just heard recently that across the world, I'm talking about demand, 91 mega factories are now being built. It went from 56 to 70, 71 to now 91. So we're going to see a, an incredible demand for the raw materials. There's not enough raw materials. Uh, lithium or graphite or cobalt out there right now to feed these factories. And your target has always been supplying North American factories because you're located in a perfect location, like right outside Montreal. That means you can you can hit the U.S. Eastern Seaboard without any problem. Have the numbers increased on the U.S. side as far as number of these mega factories, gigafactories that are that are going up? Yeah, I believe that there's a couple in New York, and uh, obviously the big one Tesla has in Nevada is uh, is there. Um, I think that there's another one added in California. So we're seeing uh, areas in which uh, North America is really ramping up. Uh, the big problem, however, continues to be that there is no graphite anode production, and that's what you need to make a lithium-ion battery, not just lithium and nickel, which go into the cathode, but you need a, a graphite anode, and there's a whole process behind building that. And we would love to fill that gap and, and produce that product for some of these mega factories. Can you be competitive 
I know we might be putting the cart before the horse, but there is going to be a supply crunch around the world for all these mega factories. Can you be competitive even ship the product overseas, or do you, do you not even need to worry about that because North American demand on its own will be will, will be pretty strong? Well, I think that uh, we we that's a secondary market for us is overseas, whether it's Europe or in other locations in China. There's a lot of mega factories being built in China. In fact, um, we're seeing the numbers um, dive when it comes to Chinese export of graphite materials. Raw graphite materials just don't uh, get exported anymore. Uh, now they're importing from Africa. So we see that that trend is turning around. So I think. I think we're going to be competitive, uh, we, and that's the target: is to be competitive with Chinese factories and African um, production. So, on that note, do you think you have like you're, you're obviously going to probably you're going to need to drill more? Paul, is it safe to say to to prove the project even even further? But do you, do you think you'll have enough to be able to supply the demand that you expect to see coming? Because that's obviously you need yeah you need grade, and you're going to need tonnage at the end. They you know, what, yeah. what are you guys hoping to achieve in terms of tonnage? Well, our target is a, a 25 million ton deposit that grades 8% or more. I think that would be putting us right in the, uh, in the area that we need to be um, to, to can be competitive with African projects and, and materials coming out of China. Uh, I think um, that would give us a 25-year mine life that would operate um, at a million tons a year. And it would be, uh, I think, a very, very interesting project that, um, you know, all in would produce $100 million uh, per year, potentially, in, when you have graphite practice, uh, graphite prices at uh, 15000 or $1,500 to $2,000 per ton, uh, on average, over that 25 years. So we're, uh, we're looking to, to target that particular kind of development. Now, you don't need to get to that size right off the bat with in, in the upcoming four to three one one do you i mean do you, your couple is getting a pretty good enough chunk of that out of the way and then adding on to as time goes on yeah well we're already there with the uh, uh part way there with the graphene battery zone which has 10 million tons of that six percent material uh indicated and inferred so if we can add to that particular um uh, sections already exist with what's uh, in the refractory zone all we really need is another 15 million tons of uh, 11%, and then we're averaging out to to nine or or better than nine or 10%. Uh, the perfect world would be double digits, uh, double digit um, uh, grades and double digit uh, tonnage, which would give us, um, you know, I think the the second best deposit in in uh, in North America next to Mason Graphite, and Mason's at uh, you know 70 million market cap we're at 3 million market cap. So that's, you know, you got to know where your competitors are and it's a competitive world and, a com and on a comparative analysis, we compare well with uh, some of these other projects. So how far, you know, how far did this latest set of results take you down, you know, your path and, and your goal? Because you've got several, uh, you've got multiple 100 meter intercepts, multiple 10% plus uh, grade. Uh, how, you know, how far down the road did this shot well, take? Yeah, I mean, I think we're there. I think we're there. Uh, that's what uh, that's what uh, the bottom line is. Uh, we drilled enough. We drilled 150 holes uh, to discover this particular uh, uh, the two resources that we'll have, 
And uh, I think we'll meet those targets and uh, that will be what we want to go to a pre-economic assessment with because then you can put a, a dollar figure on the value of the project and that's where we want to go. And that dollar figure, hopefully, will be a heck of a lot more than the three or four million market cap we're at now. So Paul, in a perfect world, if you're there, we're just spitballing. If you're there, right, um, then what does this mean in terms of timeline for you know, production and sales agreements and things like that? How does, how does, how does the, the 2020 onward look in terms of if, if you had your druthers and everything lined up exactly as you're hoping it will with the 4311, the PDA? Yeah, what we're seeing, George, is that in 20, from 2020 to 2030, we're going to see a big change in the way people view uh, electric vehicles. Right now, everyone still has range anxiety. There's, there's certainly the numbers are growing, uh, people who are driving these electric vehicles. But we will need, uh, I think, to meet uh, the demand from electric vehicles. Right now, the demand uh, is going up at an exponential rate. And, and we should see a penetration of 25% by 2030. Well, we're at uh, 2% or less than 2% now in North America. We're going to see a big change in the next 10 years. And that's where we want to be, right at the forefront of that change and being able to supply materials like this that are going to be in great demand are, are exactly what makes a company, uh, you know, very, very valuable. And so we're, we're headed through a lot of dark times in the early uh, 2010s and uh, to 2015. And uh, now we're, we're hitting, I think, our stride in the perfect time. And that's where we want to, to really, I think, take advantage of uh, the opportunity and introduce it to, to people out here in the market. Do you, do you think the market is really getting it yet? Because, you know, we've heard, we, we keep hearing electric vehicles, electric vehicles, Tesla, and what other people are doing. And are, are people nonchalant about it? Or are they started to, you know, make, you know, connect the dots that electric vehicles means, you know, demand for graphite means, you know, the refractory zone and Lamico Metals, the Luther project. And have they started to draw those connections yet? Or people just think it's too far off? Well, I think the majority of people who are early adopters have made that connection. And um, I'll give you a timeline. In 2009, um, lithium moved from $1,000 to $5,000 uh, per ton of material. And then in 2012, um, what we saw was a move in graphite uh, from uh, about um, $700 to $3,000 per ton. So what we're seeing here is a bit of a lag because once lithium, lithium is, is locked in, people go out there and, and buy the graphite to make the lithium ion batteries. It's, a, it's somewhat of an afterthought, but it's an important material to have. And uh, I think now with you know, reduced exports from China uh, and uh, an increased, um, I think, demand for the material because of the EVs, we're going to see a, a spike in the price of, uh, of graphite. And when any commodity spikes, all the juniors in that uh, space spike as well. We saw that with lithium juniors in 2016 when, when uh, lithium went to the, the second phase of development from $5,000 to $20,000 per ton. Right. Well, the second phase of graphite, we might see $6,000 per ton graphite. And what that will do to our stocks is, is definitely bring some attention um, because uh, we'll certainly see some, some uh, added uh, shareholder attention and, and institutional attention. Devil's advocate though, do you worry that if graphite gets priced too high, it prices itself 
out of the market. So is there, you know, uh, naturally speaking, you'd love to get $100,000 per ton, but you don't want it to get there because it means people are going to be looking for others. So what's that, what's that, have you guys figured out what that price point is? The market can, can absorb, can accept without looking for alternatives and therefore you, know, you, you get the highest possible return for, for your deposit? Yeah, I think that anything over $10,000 per ton for graphite, you're, people are looking for, for alternatives. And uh, I, I, I think we're a long ways away from that. Sure. We're 1,200 or so. Um, but, um, you know, remember graphite is a material that is very, very prevalent in the world today. At, that, at those prices, what you'll see is people taking uh, pencils and taking the pencil out of it and uh, uh, re, um, uh, burning it down and creating uh, a synthetic graphite and selling it uh, at that at that level. I mean, there's always that. Uh, that's what happens with silver. Sometimes people start, uh, you know, uh, when the silver price gets to fifty or a hundred, you can melt down your silver spoons. Um, you know, but realistically, I think that uh, uh, graphite has to be very, very pure. There's a lot of energy that is 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 in it to create synthetic graphite and you know that's where the the limit is ten thousand dollars per ton you can burn coal or synthetic graphite and economically produce um synthetic 100 percent pure graphite that goes into anode uh, material um up anything under that and we the natural flake uh, graphite miners have have the advantage and I think that there's a, there's a good gap there, you know, uh, where if we could see a five or six percent or five or six per times uh, return on on the, the price of graphite, that means that we're going to have that a similar type of return in the market. For last question. Last question. Where when do you think you'll feel most comfortable starting to reach out to potential customers, letting them know, hey, we're reaching out because we think we're going to we're going to be ready by you know, these dates to start supplying you. I know the start supplying you will be a couple of years down the road, I think. Uh, but when do you feel comfortable when you can start reaching out to people, to potential customers saying, hey, Lomico's here and La Lucha's going to be ready for it? Yeah, you know, we're very lucky in that Mason Graphite in 2016 and 17 and Nouveau Monde in, in 2018, 19, have been doing that reaching out already and creating a market of knowledgeable investors in this particular field. So um, we're not there yet to compare with them. We need a pre-economic assessment. So I think by 2000, February 2020, we'll have that uh, in place and you'll see the steps we're taking to complete it along the way. And at that point, um, buyers will be able to, to turn on and, um, and examine our infrastructure, our our access to ports, you know, uh, the fantastic part is I think we've gotten a definite advantage over those other two because they've already made the mistakes and, and done everything that he had to do to get up to production. Whereas we can benefit from those and, uh, you know, uh, shoot the gap to some extent. And, you know, that's part of the strategy that has developed simply because uh, there's so much more uh, going on in the markets uh, now with electric vehicles. So, you know, being cautious, I think, uh, has its advantages, and I think we're going to benefit from that. Well, for everyone at home, you know, the Lomico team led by Paul has been cautious the whole way. I mean, you, you've had this project now for 15 years, Paul? And you've been uh, no, it seems like that for five years, for five years, this particular project. No, we have, of course, had other projects that we didn't feel we're going to suit the needs that we had 
but um, um, what we've done is, is, you know, we basically found that Goldilocks zone of, uh, of you know, having good grades, good location, uh, no sulfur content, and that would increase costs, and in a great jurisdiction. And I think, you know, you have to, you have to dig deep to find the holy grail and <laughs> that's the way it goes it, you know you've got to you've got to say no to a lot of partners and a lot of other uh, uh, projects and uh, that's what exploration is all about to find the one that is perfect and this is what we think we have now well for some reason I thought La Luta you've had for 10 years was I wrong about that no, we had other projects. Uh, La Luta, we only bought that one in 2015. So it seems like we've been talking about it forever. Uh, but uh, definitely we've been talking about graphite since 2012 and, and the luxury vehicle market in, um, in, uh, in 2009, we started talking about green economy, electric vehicle market. So definitely uh, we've been on it and uh, you know you got to find your niche in that big picture that is the uh the overall markets and and that's what we've done with la Lute, is exactly. to find uh, something that we think is um grade a and uh able to uh bring it home for our investors and that says a lot about you guys because you've been persistent you've been on the same message you've been patient and now you position yourself i didn't mean to actually come out those p's but you know patience persistence and now you position <laughs> But uh, congratulations on this latest press release. Glad to have you on beyond the press release so you can talk to everyone and really let them know what it means. And uh, clearly we're in July right now, so we're going to be talking again in August once the 43101 comes out. We're going to have a lot to talk about then. So, but in the meantime, congratulations to you and your team, Paul. Thanks very much, George. Take care, everyone. You've been watching Paul Gill, CEO of Lamico Metals, the company trades on the TSX Venture Exchange on the stock symbol LMR. For our friends in the U.S., OTCQB, LMRMF, and for our friends in Europe on Frankfurt under DHHC. You've heard what uh, Paul had to say. You've watched what he had to say. Now the next step is for you to do your due diligence. Get to the Agoracom hub for Lomico, punch in their name or stock symbol. Take a look at the profile information we've set up for you there so you can neatly follow this story in a nice summarized way. Then link over to the Lomico Metal site for even more detail. And then when you've got your questions, Post in the discussion forum there. Paul and his team will answer them. And make sure you've watched the past three or four interviews we've done together because everything Paul has said he's going to do uh, and his team is going to do, they've done. And here we are in a great position. So now we're all looking forward to August. Thanks to everyone at home for joining us. And Paul, thanks again for, uh, for being here. Thanks, George. Take care.